Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? My company, getfeatured.com, will get you featured on targeted shows, will design you a custom bio page, pitch you to the host, prepare you for the shows, and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.com to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 91 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today went from Spanish teacher to cage fighter to motivational speaker. Today, I have the pleasure of picking the brain of former UFC fighter, CFFC lightweight champion, ROC welterweight champion, VFL welterweight champion, and winner of the first season of the hit show Pros vs. Joes. Charlie the Spaniard Brenneman left a full-time job as a Spanish teacher to pursue a career in mixed martial arts, which led him to a career as a UFC fighter and finding himself going head-to-head with the best fighters in the world. As always, I have prepared a short rap to help introduce my guest. From classroom to cage, he took to the stage, fighting for front page. Knocked out cold on live TV. It ain't supposed to be easy climbing the ranks of the UFC. Life's a fight every single day. You struggle, you play, you balance, you sway. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Not just winning in KOs, hit with multiple blows, getting a bloody nose. But it's better than hiding in your shadows. Pursuing his goals for 25 years through the blood, sweat, and tears. He came out with victory, rewrote his history, and it's no mystery why he returned to teach to help you reach the Spaniard is his nickname, his claim to fame is winning the game, and he wants to help you do the same. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Charlie, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Man, the red carpet is rolled out. Look at that. I was actually... I was going to compliment you on the VFL, the CFFC, the pros versus goes, and then you went into the rap. (laughs) That was a welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And I am literally, I want to go for a run right now. Let's let's just go into the ring because I'm like freaking, yeah. Yeah, man, that's how I feel about it. Honestly, that was awesome. And the, 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 the. The lead in, the intro, it set the pace. And that, you know, we're going to talk about that. Just the energy that you give off and the surrounding yourself with the best and absorbing all that through osmosis, you know, it's it's part of my message. That was a good setup. I'm loving it. And I want to get into that. I want to get into like, I want to get into everything from preparation to actually being in the ring to getting knocked out to smashing the other guy down on the floor. And really, how do we put take that into our businesses how do we create a successful business and successful life through the lessons that you learn as a fighter but before we do charlie i want to get to know you better so my first question really is what made you want to punch people in the face you know what it was it was not so that was it was kind of a uh, a default you know so i was teaching spanish i graduated i graduated college i was a lifelong wrestler and I got to this point in my life where I was a Spanish teacher and wrestling coach. And all of those things that we're going to talk about that translate into business, the hard work, the perseverance, the resilience, the toughness, the, the, the goals, just the obsession, right, with, mm-hmm. with maximizing myself and performing, 
when I was teaching uh, Spanish and coaching wrestling, those things were kind of, they, they dissipated in me. They, they were non-existent. Hmm. And it was like, I kind of hit a, you know, hit the bottom of the barrel and I thought, what, what am I good at? What can I do? And I kind of scanned the surface and realized, hey, I'm a good wrestler. I'm good at grabbing a hold of people and throwing them down on the <laughs> ground. And at that time, there was only one thing that really fit that mold, and it was UFC fighting. And I thought, heck, I'm going to go for it. That's insane. So take us through that journey for a second. Like, you're a Spanish teacher, right? You're, you're standing in classrooms teaching Spanish, and then suddenly you're in a ring fighting people. I mean, there's just bridge the gap for a moment like how did you get involved it's like what the heck yeah <laughs> you know what i was gonna say you know when you said it uh, one day i'm in the classroom the next day i'm in the cage i was gonna say well there's a lot more to it than that and then yep. i thought about it and i thought wait a minute is there really that much more to it than that because <laughs> here's the deal i mean there was certainly a process from sitting in my spanish teaching classroom to getting to the ufc i mean that was a i don't know maybe a two or three year process but you know, getting in the cage the first time, punching someone the first time, mm -hmm. that was simply the decision that, hey, this is what I want to do and this is what I have to do to get there. So I want to be a professional fighter. Well, how do you become a professional fighter? You learn how to fight in a professional manner. That's it. You have to learn. So mm -hmm. I just, step one is I said, hey, I want to be a UFC fighter. Step two, I looked for a gym. Step three, I went to the gym and I just kept going. And wow. that's, you know, as much of a process as there was to it, it's, I mean, that was it. You just did it. P people say to me all the time, I want to write a book. How do you write a book? Well, you know how you write a book? You write a book. You <laughs> sit down and you write, you yep. know, with a pencil or with a pen or a computer, you write. And that's what I did. I wanted to be a fighter, so I just found a place to fight. Love it. I love it. It's the same thing with this podcast show, right? People say, oh, how do you, how have you done like 90, this is episode 91. You've done 91 interviews. I'm like, it started with episode zero. Like yeah. you just, you just get started. Can, so let's walk into the ring with you. The first time, the first ever time you're going into a fight, what the hell is going through your mind? <laughs> <laughs> the same thing, the same thing that went on the 27th time I stepped in the ring. So my first, I'm, gl I'm glad you brought this up, man. You're, 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 uh, you're bringing up some good memories from the past. <laughs> this was my first amateur fight was out in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. <laughs> and it's right past the border of, you know, uh, Pittsburgh into Ohio. It's a place called Steubenville. And if you can imagine, you know, it's kind of like a Coliseum atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, and if you've seen the movie Braveheart, uh, where they're not Braveheart, Gladiator. Yes. Where the people in the stands are kind of throwing beer and rah, rah, rah. You know, they weren't wearing sandals and robes in Ohio, <laughs> but right. it was that idea. I mean, they were selling beer, throwing beer, swearing left and right, this, that, the other thing. And there I was, you know, this Spanish teacher. I was still a Spanish teacher who drove no out to way. Ohio to get in a fight. And I was thinking, what the heck? <laughs> what is this? What am I doing? And I'll tell you what, it's that same thing the 27th time that I got in the cage in the UFC in the bright lights thinking, what am I doing? That's exactly what it was. Were you tempted to turn around and walk away? You can't. You know, that's the thing. This is, uh, you know, kind of a subplot. And I put this out in my podcast this morning. I, I put myself in corners. You know, I, yeah, I, I put myself into the corner. Literally. Be yeah. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yes. Actually. Yeah. You know, I put myself in a corner because it, you can't. I mean, when you're. When you sign a contract, right, mm -hmm. you could still back out. You could say you're sick. You could say you're hurt. Mm -hmm. You know, you go, you weigh in, you can still back out. But when you make the walk and they mm -hmm. shut the cage door, you can't back out. There's no way you can back out. Look, fighting in the UFC, I've fought in front of, you know, the, a live audience, probably 700,000, close to a million. Wow. And can't, you, you can't leave. I mean, you can't. What You can't not do it. So it's like, 
I like to put myself in those situations because you just can't not move forward. And that's, mm. that's part of the battle is just putting yourself in those spots. Love that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, essentially, the adrenaline gets to you as well. Like when you're pumped with adrenaline, you, you kind of, there's no backing out. At that point, you're, you're, you're in, you're committed, right? And it's a weird, it, you're right. It's a weird, so that works both ways. You know, when you're in the fight, it's, you know, my best. And, and we were chatting a little bit before we started recording that I want to get back into, you know, how you apply this mindset to life yep. and business. But the idea of adrenaline. So whenever I walk to the cage, and I think most, I think at least half, maybe most fighters will agree with this. For me, while I was, you know, obviously I had anxiety. You know, it's, it's you're getting into a cage to fight someone on TV. I mean, it's like a, a, a stinking gladiator back in the days. <laughs> um, but there was a, a calmness because it was almost such an inconceivable experience that there was like no, there was no worry or no, there was no, uh, reference there was no point of reference it was like <laughs> it was so extraordinary that it created this calmness in me that it was just like okay let's go you know there was no it wasn't a lot of yeah for me it was just like kind of peace like wow if you get on an airplane i, I fly a lot i get on airplanes when mm. i buckle up and buckle my safety belt it's kind of like okay pilot it's in your hands now it's out of my hands and that's kind of how i felt when the cage door shut Wow, that's so it's so interesting because I feel like you're describing flow. Mm -hmm. Right? You're describing that space where there's no time anymore. You kind of forget about your surroundings. You don't even see the crowd around you. You kind of just you're in this very very small little space on your own with with this other person. It's kind of like how I feel when I prepare for the show. I put on my headphones and I forget about my surroundings completely. I forget about the time and I just get very focused in what I'm doing. And there's an ebb and flow to it, you know, with fighting. It's a really interesting thing because it's, you know what it's kind of like, imagine bobbing in water, you know, maybe you're out in rough waters and you're going under, then you're coming above and you're mm -hmm. going under, then you're coming above, you know, spouts of the audience, spouts of reality would come in and out. But yeah, I mean, when I was on, it was nothing. It was not, there was no feeling. There was no nothing. It was just you were doing. You know, I heard an interview the other day uh, on the Aubrey Marcus podcast with, I think it was Jamie Foxx. It was either Jamie Foxx yeah. or Jeremy Piven. Mm -hmm. And he said something about, I think it was Jamie Foxx. He was talking about truth. Like there's no like right or wrong. It was just truth. Like when a song works or a sentence works or a relationship works, it's truth. And when I was at my best, it was like truth. This is where I'm supposed to be exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Let's take your opponent for a second, because I'm sure there's a lot of psychological warfare before the, 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 the battle, and there's also a lot of, I guess, sizing up and, and checking out his previous fights and stuff, and I kind of, the way I see it from a business perspective is it's like your competition, right? So for those listening, whatever um, arena that you're in, right, you're fighting against your competitors, right? So what kind of, I guess, prep work do you do um, and how do you see your competitor? You know, because in a way, if you look at him as a human being, I feel like you almost can't knock him out because it's like he's a human. What if he's a father? Like you look at his children yeah. and say, I'm about yeah. to knock your daddy out. Like, come on. You know, what's interesting about that. So uh, I'm a, a fan. There's a show on uh, uh, Netflix called Peaky Blinders. And, you know, it's a gangster show and I like watching gangster shows, <laughs> but it's like there's a there's a rule, you know, there's rules like, yeah, we're gangsters, but there's rules with fighting. It's like 
you separate it. You separate that. You se- I separate your family. I separate your mom, your grandpa, your sister, your brother. And it's just me and you right now. It's just me and you. And we're going to fight and I'm going to try to beat you up and you're going to try to beat me up. Compartmentalizing. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, you compartmentalize, you get rid of all that stuff. Cause it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the here and now I'm going to fight you. You're going to fight me. And that's all that really matters. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the sizing up, you know, it's funny. I, I smiled when you were describing that. <laughs> so for me, you know, I'm not much of a, I'm not much of a talker. I don't get, you know, I'm not really into the psychological warfare. But for me, what it was, you know, when we weigh in in the UFC, we get on a stage, we weigh in, and then we have a face-off. I posted a picture yesterday. So it, it was six years since my last, or not since my last, since like the biggest fight of my career and mm-hmm. one of the biggest nights of my life. And it was me and my opponent nose to nose. I mean, we were sent, honestly, I, we might have even been touching lips. We were that close. <laughs> it was just like total just total in your face and i posted the picture and i said this is my favorite thing in the world it's absolute conviction absolute belief in yourself and i love the fact that my opponent believes in himself as Mm. much as i believe in myself because i believe what's going to help you in life what's going to help you in business and in ufc fighting is that absolute belief in yourself and you don't that doesn't just happen you've got to work for it you've got to earn it you've got to live it and then when you live it such that you actually believe it, it's a magical thing. What do you do to, to, to build yourself up to that point? Every single day, you work. So I fought, you know, I, I fought the scariest guys in, on, on the planet. So if you would say to someone, who's the scariest guy in the UFC, 10 out of 10 people would say Anthony Johnson. I fought Anthony Johnson. Really? And wow. He's a monster of a human being. I mean, he's 230 Jeez. pounds. Jeez. And why in the world did I think that I could beat Anthony Johnson? You know, what, 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 that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I believed that I worked, and this isn't like fluff here. This is, I believe that I worked harder than him. I believed that he would get tired before I got tired. And for that sole reason, I, I believed I could beat him. So what do you do? How do you conjure it up? You work harder than everyone else in the room. But is that a mental thing or is that a, is that a skills? In other words, is is the game how much of the game is mental versus skill set you know for me that's a good question it kind of goes both ways for me it was the physical because my mental so i grew up wrestling i grew up competing and i never truly fully believed in myself you know i was i was always really good but i was never the best you know Mm -hmm. and i would always fall short because i just didn't believe it so then when i i got on a reality television show pros versus joes and it was almost like that was probably, I don't know, three years after my last college match. And it was almost like I forgot that I had doubt, right? I forgot. It was just so long since <laughs> I competed that I just forgot. And all I did was I worked hard to prepare for that show. And then when I got there, I won. And then I came home and I thought, wait a minute, what was the difference there? And I realized that I never, I never did self-talk. I never assessed my mental strength or my mental whatever. All I did was work. So when I went into fighting, it was that same idea. I'm not even going to listen to that voice in my head. I'm going to put that voice in a box, and I'm just going to focus all of my time and energy on working, on preparing better, harder, more intensely than everyone else I know, and then that's going to give me the belief. So it's it's like a one-two punch. you got to put in the work. you got to truly believe the work, and then for me, the confidence came from that work. That's incredible. So let me ask you this. You – You've been knocked out, obviously, right? You're not undefeated. So, in fact, you were knocked out on live TV in front of millions of people, right? Um, yeah, it was quite a bit. 
<laughs> what does it feel like when you get knocked out? When you're down, you've been you've been done, you've been had, and and just you know, bear in mind that you came in believing you're gonna win this. Like yep. I'm gonna win this. There is no way I'm gonna lose. And then you do everything you can, and suddenly, bam! And the next thing you know, you're on the floor, and the bell rings. And your opponent's standing there, victory. And does that kill your confidence? How do you build back up from that? What do you feel? You know, that's, yeah, that, that's life. I mean, that, that's how life works. And that's why it's such a great parallel between fighting and life. I have a, uh, a listener on my show and a fan and, and a now friend of mine, and he works for Boeing. And, you know, he's, he's got a comfortable job, comfortable position at Boeing. And it's, it's, he resonates so strongly with my message because he was like, look, I got to walk in there to this boardroom with the, with the CEO of Boeing and all these power players and decision makers. And sometimes I fall flat on my face. And he said, and what I get from you is you literally fell on your face. You know, you literally got knocked down and you had to get back up. So that idea, one, that idea is perfectly relatable to everyone else. And think of it this way. Even if you're not in the boardroom, I'm a father. I have a, I have a, a three and a half year old and a, a, a nine month old. Every single night, every single morning, there's that battle. There's that fight to yep. to not take the easy way out, you know. <laughs> right. And you know, does it does it smash my confidence get, to get knocked out? For me, my system for recovery, you know, for for overcoming setback is I wouldn't hide those feelings. Like I, I wouldn't deny the fact that I was totally empty and void in my gut. I felt terrible. My soul was crushed. But I also like going into it. I would say to myself, Hey, win or lose, you're going to give yourself seven days. To either like, you know, be the cat's meow, stuff your face, be a fat, uh, uh, fat pig, drink, eat whatever you want, <laughs> feel like the king, yeah. But then after seven days, get back to work. If you lose, crawl in a hole, cry like a baby, cry on your wife's shoulder, hug your mommy. After a week, <laughs> get back on the horse. So of course it's going to crush you, but you have to have the awareness to realize that it, it that that's just how the universe works. You know, it's not mm -hmm. we're not put on this earth to just have everything fall in our laps. No, but I love that that you said, like, allow yourself to have that space, whether it's victory winning and celebrating and then kind of just getting a little bit complacent, or whether it's getting knocked down and feeling bad and, you know, crying it out, whatever it is, but then getting back up. In other words, what you're saying is, as long as you keep getting back up and keep moving, you're, you're going to succeed. That's it right there, moving. Just just like how do you want to write a book? You write the first word. How do you want to become a fighter? You go to your first session. How do you overcome setback? You keep moving. That's it. One point you had um, metal plates inserted into your face. Uh, and you, you temporarily also lo you lost your eyesight in your left eye at one point as well. <laughs> when do you stop? When do you think, you know, Okay, maybe this is enough. And and what I want to para <laughs> I want to parallel this to to the life of business because the way I see it, metal plates inserted in my face is kind of like I lose like a bunch of clients or you know I I lose a ton of money like and uh, the bit nobody signing up for my product or whatever it is right or I get up on stage and I and I try to deliver a speech and I bomb right yeah how do you how do you know when it's time to quit when it's time to say okay let's do something else yeah i i you know for me personally and i'm simply speaking from experience i don't know that there's an absolute hey you know this is when you know but for me mm -hmm. a couple things you know i i looked at it 
so I was listening to a couple things. I was listening to my gut. I was listening to my inner circle, so my wife, my family, my close friends. And then I was also listening to the kind of the fire that I had inside myself. And I think a lot of times, so, so you know, I was a teacher, I was a coach, then I had a stand on reality TV, and then I was a UFC fighter, and now I have a podcast, and I speak, I wrote a book, etc. <laughs> it's incredible. The, 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 thank you. It, but to me, I just think of it as whatever. It just it is what it is. Because here's the thing. How do you know when, it, when it's time to stop? I, I don't think it's ever time to stop. I don't think ever it's time to stop i think there are objective times in your life where you might have to pivot or you might have to transfer energy from this direction to that direction for me it was okay i i lost my third fight in a row i got released from the ufc to get back to the ufc i would have to fight for peanuts <laughs> for probably a year to a year and a half mm -hmm. there was there was just no the return on energy right we hear return on investment but my my friend the other day said return on energy That's the return on energy just didn't really seem it just didn't you know it just didn't appeal to me so then i thought okay what can i transfer into how can i leverage my experience my knowledge but also that that fire that i was talking about it's not it, i'm never going to give that fire up you listener you should never give that fire up that fire in your belly is what makes you you whether i'm in a classroom teaching whether i'm on the wrestling mat whether i'm in the cage on a stage writing a book that fire is the exact same all of these things that that parallel from fighting to business they're intangibles. They're, 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 it's, it's will, it's intensity, it's perseverance, resilience, toughness, all of these things that made me those things. So maybe maybe <laughs> in a year I'll think, meh, speaking's <laughs> not for me. I want to be a mountain climber, mm -hmm. right? But it, that, that same intensity is going to be there for, for, for the duration. You know what's interesting is I, f I feel like ego gets in the way. Um, and you sound like you sound like a really humble guy. And the reason I say that is because you lost three games in a row and you made a decision that, okay, I'm going to go into something else. Now, a lot of people would, would be like, hell no, I'm not going to go out like that. Like I lost three games in a row and that's how I end. No, I'm going to, I'm going to put all my energy back and I'm going to try even harder. I'm going to go back in there. And, and I feel like it takes a lot of humility to, to say, no, 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 it's, this is the time for me to go and do something else. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. There's a couple, a couple different ways to go off of that. You know, <laughs> I appreciate that compliment and, you know, uh, humility is when I was a kid, you know, one of the, the first things I ever remember my dad saying to me growing up as a wrestler is don't go around telling people how good you are. Let <laughs> them tell you. And that's humility, right? You just, mm -hmm. you, 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 was it, uh, walk quietly, carry big stick or whatever. I think Teddy Roosevelt said something like that. Yeah. But when you get knocked out cold on live television, <laughs> you, there's, there's nowhere to hide. I mean, <laughs> what, 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 what can I say? It was a uh, lucky punt. No, I mean, you knocked me out cold, period. Mm -hmm. I'm on my back unconscious in front of everyone. People who like me, people who hate me, people who whatever. So that ego, I mean, <laughs> they just they just serve that ego up and smash it out of the ballpark. It, it's gone. You know, it's you can't have it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's uh, you know that humility and and what you were saying about going another direction. You know, some people might even say, "Well, that's quitting. You quit. You didn't yeah. want to face the challenge." Actually, it's no. I made an intelligent decision, and I went with what felt right at the time. Like you and I were talking off air. I did what I did. I, I, that was what I chose to do at that time, and I stand by that decision. If in a year I think I want to fight again, then I'll fight again. But for now, I know that there's so much more 
there's so much more to give. There's so much more to do that I'm just like I have as much fire to do this other stuff as I once had years ago to fight. Listen, when I was fighting, I used to drive three hours in crappy New York, New Jersey traffic, <laughs> train for an hour and a half, and then drive three hours home. Wow. So that was this that was an eight hour day comprised of one and a half hours of training, That's crazy. six to seven hours of driving. Jeez. I just don't want to do that anymore. I have a wife. I have kids. I have a podcast. I have conversations with you. Like this, (laughs) this is what I live for right now. You know, so just priorities shifted. You mentioned before, by the way, Charlie, that when you were on the floor, you had you had your fans, but you also had your haters. And one of the things that I've come across on, you know, it's part of life, right? And the more you put yourself out there, you're going to come across haters. How do you deal with that? Because I feel like a lot of people, the reason why they don't write a book or start a podcast or, you know, get up on stage or whatever it is, is they're kind of afraid to pop their head out because they might get smacked, right? You might get haters coming and saying, oh, what are you doing? And, and especially in, in your case, like, I can only imagine how much hate you must have got from people like, you know? Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, when I got knocked out, especially the the hate that I got from that. And I show this to kids, you know, when I speak in schools, I have a, a slide that I put together a collection of, of some of the greatest hate tweets that I've ever received. Can you give us and some it, examples? Know, what's that? Give us some examples. Okay. So like, uh, one of the screen names is Brenna bad. So Brenna bad because I'm a terrible fighter. Oh. Um, <laughs> one of the, the, one of the ones was, uh, I mean, they say terrible things that you suck. You, you don't even deserve to be here. Uh, <laughs> one of the things was when you get knocked out, do you see the punches coming or do you just fall over? Oh, you know, little stuff fuck. like that. Like wow. stuff that it's just, it's just rude. Like, like, uh, one of the screen names was, um, you know, it was, it was Brenna. One was Brenna bad. One was something with sucking. Like I suck Charlie or something like that. Oh, and it said, you, you may have seen me get knocked the F U C K out. And it's oh, like, like someone was sitting in their room and thought, I'm going to create a screen name to bash this guy. It's crazy. It's just silly. Silly. So yeah. what happens, it's like that happens so much and so much, so much that I just hit a, a low. And this was actually after I got knocked out. I just hit a low point where it, it really, it was just so much. And this is, I want to use my story as kind of a case study for anyone out there who feels defeated, who feels um who feels like the world is against them, who feels like they can't stand up and fight. Like I want you to like consume this and use it for fuel to yourself because eventually I got to a point where it was like, I don't, I can't take this. I don't want to take this. What can I do about it? And then I realized, you know, I still take things personally. I want to be the best, right? I want you to think I'm the best. I want to be the, like, it's just a driver in me is to be the best. Mm -hmm. But what I've realized is, okay, you can take things personally, Right. You can take you can take it personally, right? like have that sinking feeling in your gut when someone uh, disses you or, or uh, critiques your work as, as bad. Right. Feel bad. But then as I have that that period of time where after victory or defeat where I kind of think to myself, all right, just be and then resolve after that. I do, I do my, my best and I'm pretty, pretty, pretty strict with this to just not respond right away. I wait a day. Because that day, that's emotion, it's energy, it's fire that I just want to quip something right back. Hmm. So I've just stopped and I just don't respond right away. Or if I do respond, I make it very objective. Like I take it personally, but there's an awareness to that taking things personally that, I mean, at the end of the day, it's sticks and stones. Like who cares? But you know, who really should, cares? Right. Should you take it personally? They don't know you. 
they have no idea who you are like like people who usually send hate mail they don't know the person they're bashing they don't really know them and you know? i've i've called people on it you know like i've i've either dm them or emailed them or i don't think it's ever been face to face and then they completely cower at the first sight of confrontation mm. i wasn't threatening to beat them up i said hey can you tell me about what you said there you know what made you say it <laughs> yeah and they just like power and it's like and then oh bro oh bro i'm just messing bro no you're not messing man you're just being a dick you don't have to be that way oh <laughs> man just you know if you're out there dealing with that stuff rather than being drawn to that reach out to me reach out to daniel reach out to other people Focus on those people who are feeding you that positive energy rather than the people who are feeding you that negative energy. Hmm. By the way, when you, when you got on stage uh, to speak, like when you left your career as a fighter and you went to start speaking on stage, when you went up to speak, was that like the same, did you get that same rush? Like when you, when you would go up to the ring, right? Did you get that same thrill, that same rush to get on stage? I, it's not the same by any means because there's no giant scary man looking to <laughs> kick my butt, right? So there's not that. But what I do have on stage, and I think every one of us can take this into our own lives. Honestly, whether whether you're a CEO or whether you you know uh, work at McDonald's or or any other uh, you know moderate modest job, it's human connection, right? So no matter where you're at, there's a great book called The Fred Factor, and mm. it was about a guy who delivered mail. And he made he made everyone's life on his route better simply by the way he acted. So I think that what I get on stage is this idea of a human connection. And when you can really like look at someone into their eyes, deep into their soul and know that you're resonating with them, that's a magical feeling. It really and truly is a magical feeling, something I don't take for granted and something I absolutely love. So is it the same as fighting? No, <laughs> no, because I don't know, because I'm like not, it's not going to hurt. I'm not going to whatever, but right. it has an equal benefit that that truly is amazing. But don't you feel that, I guess, that rush then? Like when you want to fight when you actually won and you got that rush, it's almost like taking drugs and getting high, right? How do you it's, get that? How do you get that high now? It's it's putting yourself into a corner. You put by getting on a stage. I'm putting myself into the corner. When they say Charlie Spanier Brennan, yay, <laughs> boom, it's go time. Can I can I turn around and walk off the stage? Could I walk out of the mm -hmm. cage? Yeah, yeah. Do I? No, because I think answering that call is really, really what that high you're talking about, that's mm -hmm. what it is. Answering that call, putting yourself in a spot where you got to perform, to me, that's what it's all about. The other, the, honestly, the, the way I live my life on a day-to-day -day basis is where part of that high and that uh, purpose comes from as well, just the intensity with which I live. Can, can you give us like an idea of what your routine is? Like, do you have like a morning routine or what's your day like? Absolutely. So I get up uh, anywhere between five, right around five is where my alarm is set roll out of bed, come downstairs. I read for between 30 minutes to an hour. What do you I make read? a lesson plan. What do you read? Uh, I read a wide variety. Last couple of books I've read. I, re I, I like stories, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a process, stories from a building something. So I'm reading Vince Lombardi's book now, read The Promise of a Pencil uh, by Adam Braun, Pencils of Promise. Uh, I read Napoleon Hill. I read uh, oh, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Napoleon Hill's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, and, uh, so then I read, I make a lesson plan where I extract learning points from what I read. And then I record my podcast, which is a daily podcast. Mm -hmm. And then 
I post, do all the posting. I'm done with that by about 7 a.m. So from 5 to 7, I do all that. And then my day kind of gets started. My, my kids wake up. My wife comes down. This morning, I went for a run, recording with you, recording another podcast, have a mentoring session. And nice. I think I'm going to go to uh, the zoo with my kids. <laughs> but that the, the morning <laughs> process is, is non, non-negotiable. Every morning, mm-hmm. up, reading, lesson plan, recording. Have you ever skipped that? Not in uh, my, what am I on? 253, I think was today. Um, Are you serious? The first, you count? The first, well, the, yeah, they're numbers, AMX, <laughs> you know. So the way my podcast works is it's kind of a hub. Uh, mm-hmm. I upload a bunch of different uh, types of audio, but the driver is a, a just a, a seven-minute segment I, called, I call AM Excellence. And it's um, the first 100 episodes were seven days a week. And then from 100 to 254, it's Monday through Friday. Wow. And yeah. I mean, every single day. That's Dude, that's. Jeez. Uh, I do twice a week and it's like, you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But it, I just, I keep it simple. I record. There, there's no editing for the, the, the AM Excellence. There's no editing. I, yeah. re- I lesson plan. I record. Boom. Like what we were talking about earlier, I, I like that about you and I like that about this conversation. What I record on AM Excellence, it's me at that moment. Like, might someone contest what I say and uh, call me out or email me or text me? Yeah, and then I'll have a conversation, and then mm. I might say, oh, you know what? I didn't realize that at the moment. Thanks for that. <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's a, a, a really neat way to think of this, people, everyone listening, is – and this was passed on to me by, by my – kind of my advisor, my, my shaman, my friend. But he said, if you tip a glass of water, it's water that comes out. So whatever you fill yourself with is going to come out such that the conversations you have, the relationships you have, the way you live your life. So I think Mm -hmm. it's up to all of us to really consume as much goodness, as much information, knowledge, experience as we possibly can, because in one way or another, it's going to come out. Interesting. By the way, what does a a UFC fighter earn per fight? Well, that's a, a wide variety. So it's changing now. Um, you know, the, the fight game is changing now for the benefit of the fighters. So there's been a movement the last, I don't know, year, year and a half where fighters are starting to say, Hey, we need to start making them serious money because we're risking our lives out here. But Mm -hmm. in my career, you know, I think my first contract was was for $4,000. Four thousand to fight, four more to win. So I think I made eight thousand dollars my first fight, minus Whoa. taxes, minus management. So nice, you know, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice, kind of, except that we're the best fighters in the world. And then when you pay out everything, you're walking home with like a couple grand for a couple months of work. Um, oh, okay. Nowadays, it's. I mean, they're Not getting. So nice. They're getting a lot more money nowadays. No, I mean, some of these guys are getting millions. Most guys. Such a wide variety. Hmm. How are you earning money today? Like, what are you monetizing? Because the podcast show, I'm assuming, is that's just to build your reputation, build the brand, build the network. Um, yep. So, where are you? Where are you making money now? So, there's not much money to be made. Um, I think <laughs> anyone, and this is part of the model that I'm putting myself in a corner. I'm showing people that, hey. This is going to work. You know, I read uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, creator of Nike. I want to say it was 10 years before he made a profit. So wow. you know, I'm certainly making certainly making profits. But, you know, it, it's 
right now it's just building awareness. I, I speak on stages. I train. I do some one-on-one training. I do some mentoring. I have a, a workshop coming up here at noon. So I'm I'm creating avenues to make ends meet as I build this bigger picture, this movement of, of instilling this boldness in the everyday mm-hmm. person, applying the lessons of professional fighting to daily life. Um, you know, I use my book as well to, to get speaking events. <clears throat> so it's a wide variety, but to be honest, I'm early in my, my business life and my, my entrepreneurial venture. Sure. So I'm figuring mm-hmm. it out as I go. What are some of the lessons you mentioned that you, you basically talk about the lessons that you learned from fighting and how to apply it to life and business. Can you share some of those lessons with us, the audience? Yeah. I mean the, the idea of just outworking your competition, that's it. Outworking your competition, preparing more and better and, and, and within, with a, a mindset of excellence, you know, as a parent, it's so easy to just sit on my couch and be on my phone, but I have to remind myself, Hey, get off your phone and talk to your kids. You know, I have to remind myself, hmm. Hey wife, me, you know, let's have a conversation. So there's that, <laughs> There's that, you know, preparation and, and uh, mindset that, you know, it's the same way I trained as a professional fighter, the same way I live as a father and a husband. The idea of resilience, just understanding that when you fight, look, when you fight, I'm fighting a dude who wants to beat me up. <laughs> That's it. like I have to combat that and try to beat him up. So it's like that force, that resistance. You're going to meet that resistance in everyday life. That I don't know how many cold calls or how many pitches I've made where I absolutely sound like a dummy because <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to trying to script it, you know, trying yeah. to, to be something more than who I am. And when you're fighting, when you're in the cage, man, you're going to be figured out quick. You know, mm. you can talk and talk and talk, but when you get in the cage, you're going to be figured out quick. I like Same that. deal. If you're pitching something, if you're you know, telling, if I'm telling you I've got this program and it's this and that and the other thing, <laughs> yeah, that's great until you got to put up. And if I put up and it's it's garbage, you're going to figure it out. So it, it, it just goes back to that idea that you've got to work for it, man. You've got to work. You can you can be proud. You can be confident. You can be bold. But you got to be putting in the work to back it up. Why do you think so many people don't work hard? Meaning there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they'll like send an email once or twice and then give up or they'll make a phone call once or twice and then give up. Why is that? Because it's, because it's, well, for a lot of reasons, one, they don't see an immediate return. You know, it's, it's why people stop going to the gym after three weeks uh, on (laughs) new year's because they don't see an immediate return. So Mm -hmm. I was talking to to Joe DeSena, the owner of Spartan race, and he said something to the effect of like, it was a thousand shovels a day for five years with no return. People just don't want to, it's too hard. You know, it's too hard. It's too tough. Um, and, and we look at, it's scary. We, we don't want to accept defeat. We let our egos get in the way. It's easier to just not do it than to do it and fail. Mm-hmm. I'm the other way. I just, I don't love to fail. <laughs> I love to win. <laughs> I want to win, right? But yeah. to win, you, yeah. But to win, you got to put your neck out and risk failure. And to me, it, it's well worth the risk. Like, there's something that, you know, with Napoleon Hill, I just read his book, Napoleon Hill's on the air. And he said, there's, there's, uh, there's something that happens when you, when you sit around and talk about your goals, right? There's so, something that happens when you assess your setbacks, you look at your goals, you look at your work. It's like inspiring. So to me, I look at those setbacks and those failures and those like misses 
it's just, man, this is part of the process. It's part of the story that I'm going to be able to tell. It's like getting my eyeball kicked in when I was fighting. That's part of the story that I get to tell. It's like fighting in Steubenville, Ohio with a bunch of drunks and, and, and amateur <laughs> fighting. It's part of the story that I get to tell. Because to get to the UFC, to get to Rick's story, to get to number seven in the world, you've got to start in middle of nowhere, Ohio. Wow. That's very powerful. It's interesting because you, you talk a lot about taking action and not really spending too much time on on your thoughts, your thinking. What about like writing goals? Like a lot of people, they talk about, you know, you've got to write your goals and you've got to have affirmations and and all of this stuff. Like what's your mission and... Yep. Do you believe in that stuff or are you just like, nah, just get on with it? You know, I'm, I'm more so, nah, just get on with it. You know, I have, I had goals, you know, I wanted to win a state title. I wanted mm -hmm. to, to become an all American. I, you know, I had, I had, I always have goals, but I don't write them down. I don't, uh, have affirmations. I don't look in the mirror and, you know, like, uh, Stuart Smalley, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, <laughs> darn it. People like me. No, I just work. <laughs> I work. I work harder than everybody else, and that gives me the confidence. I have more of a – it's kind of more of like a vision-oriented driver. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to buy a condo at the beach for my family so I can take my family on vacations every year on me. That That's my driver. So everything that I do leads to that point. So that's really – that's what gets me up every morning. That's what gets me to the gym every day. That's what makes me record every morning. That's what causes me to – Reach out to people whom I shouldn't even be reaching out to who are way beyond me to maybe, maybe develop a relationship with them. So it's more so that kind of vision oriented. I just, I know where I want to go. I have my North Star. Wow. And you actually wrote a book that you've published, right? It's called Driven, um, My Unlikely Journey from Classroom to Cage. What's it about? So why, and also what, first of all, what's it about and why should um, our listeners grab a copy of that? It's about my my unlikely journey from classroom to cage. It's about the 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 surface message is about my transition from Spanish teacher to UFC fighter. All mm -hmm. the experience that I experienced with within the lessons that I learned from it. The underlying theme is, you know, this all started when I was a kid. I saw Rocky, I saw the movie Rocky when I was a little kid. I was a wrestler. So mm -hmm. it was like <clears throat> I was always building towards where I'm at right now. And, you know, why would someone want to read this book? I, you know, I was listening to Joe Rogan. He said, consume inspiration from everywhere you can. This book is inspiration. If you're sitting there, you feel defeated. Maybe you have a goal that everyone's telling you you're crazy. Maybe you've just got smacked in the face by life. You feel like you can't move, you can't move forward. You just don't have the strength. Absorb that strength from my story. Really, that, that's what I want to do. That's what I do on a daily basis. Um, and my book is just another way to do just that. Incredible. And how can they get a copy of it? Everything. Uh, it's on Amazon. So if you just type Charlie Brenneman. It's easier than driven my life here from Classroom to Cage. Uh, just mm -hmm. type uh, <laughs> Charlie Brenneman or visit charliespaniard.com and you'll be able to see the link there. Cool. And also for those listening, all the links and resources are in the show notes, which uh, you can get at danielgeffen.com forward slash 91. That's danielgeffen.com forward slash 91. Charlie, um, if there's one thing that you want to leave with the audience before we wrap up, what would it be? Just one message. Just be bold. Go after it. Get mm -hmm. after it. It's not going to happen. You've got to make it happen. No, and no. like I said, that, that, that's my purpose. My purpose is to help you do just that. Cool. And how can they get in touch with you? 
if you go to, like I said, if you go to my website, charliespaniard.com, all my social medias, media handles are at Charlie Spaniard. And if you're a consumer of inspiration, um, you know, I put out that daily podcast every morning, seven minutes, get there. Um, it's Love called it. Fighter's Mindset on iTunes. Again, it's all hosted at charliespaniard.com. Cool. And again, the show notes, that those, those links will be in the show notes, so grab them there. Charlie, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain, and thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.